Hello, and welcome back to the Previously On podcast. We're continuing with our second season by taking an in-depth look at Avatar, The Last Airbender, and more specifically, the second book of that series, Earth. My name's Brandon Berger. I'm Evan Muse. And I'm Maxwell Anderson. And together, we're our own sort of Team Avatar. We're very excited to keep our conversation going as we navigate our way through the second book of this series. For our 16th episode of the podcast, we'll be taking a look at chapters 11 and 12 of book two. Previously on Avatar. Here's some more information about book two, chapter 11, The Desert. It's the 11th episode of the second season and is the 31st official episode of the show. This episode was written by Tim Hedrick and was directed by Lauren McMullen. The Desert originally aired as the second part of a two-part special entitled Avatar, The Fury of Aang on July 14th, 2006. Here's a short synopsis of Chapter 11. Aang searches for Appa while Katara struggles to keep everyone together so they can survive in the vast desert. Here's some more information about Book 2, Chapter 12, The Serpent's Pass. It's the 12th episode of the second season and is the 32nd official episode of the show. This episode was written by series creator Michael Dante DiMartino and Joshua Hamilton and was directed by Ethan Spaulding. The Serpent's Pass originally aired as the first part of a two-part special entitled Secret of the Fire Nation on September 15th, 2006. Here's a short synopsis of Chapter 12. Aang escorts some refugees to Ba Sing Se through the deadly Serpent's Pass, only to discover a plot by the Fire Nation that threatens the city. So, what were your thoughts on these two episodes? Boy, you just feel bad for Katara in this first one. Oof, duh. Absolutely you do. She's just kind of... She's the only sensible thinker and rational thinker throughout this entire episode, at least kind of the first two-thirds of it, until... Um, they stumble across that uh, the sand sailor, but yeah, every everybody's just kind of ragging on both Katara and on Toph a little bit. I, I feel bad for both of those characters this this go around. Well, they kind of masterfully take out two. Well, Aang's already taken out just by you know Appa being missing, but they take out Toph and Sokka in this episode. Sokka through hilarious anecdotes, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that we'll discuss, I'm sure. And Toph through this kind of you know. Uh, blurry sense she can't really mm-hmm. uh, bend earth while on the sand and can't really see that well so it is kind of up to Katara to hold the group together which poor Katara yes but also it's an awesome episode for her character to show her strength and resiliency it's 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 good yeah that's a great point she really feels like that foundational member of the gang where you know there are different times throughout the series where She seems a little shaky, like she doesn't seem fully confident or fully capable. But this is a moment where, yeah, she totally takes this opportunity to lead and be that leader when the group really needs her. Like she's rising to the occasion here. I think it's probably something she's felt at home a lot, right? Like with with Sokka, she had to sort of drag people along. Yeah, I suppose when you've kind of got Sokka back in the water tribe, kind of going off and playing soldier a little bit. She kind of has to be that foundational figure, almost that like parent figure in a depleted water tribe, as we've seen. Right. Yeah, that that's a really good point. I think that's something Sokka even says in a later episode, but uh, which is that's a great scene. Yeah, Makes yeah. me tear up. But yeah, 
you can well, start to see more of that now already. And and especially thinking of that future scene where Katara doesn't even know that like she's not supposed to be hearing it. It's almost like eavesdropping, but not really. She just kind of stumbles upon yeah. that information. It, it's a it's a really cool realization and it's treated very well when that happens in book three that'll be fun to talk about i know max you said that we lose we lose toff because she can't she doesn't have her full bending capability and as a result she doesn't have her full like sight capability there was only one i think blind we can call it a joke but there's only one instance where you know her blindness kind of gets pointed out and it's right away when Toph runs into Sokka, and he mm. says, can't you watch where you're going? And she goes, no. Uh, and Sokka <laughs> is like, oh, yeah, that's right. You're blind. So it's it's one of those moments, again, where they just kind of forget that she's blind, which, and we talked about this in an earlier podcast episode, is both a good thing and a bad thing. Like, it's good to know that Toph's disability isn't something that's holding her back. However, she does have a disability that is a part of her identity, and the fact that they're still not quite acknowledging it, like for all of the goodness that it is, um, is a little disheartening. It still it still shows you that she's still relatively new to the gang and they're all just getting to still know each other because, gosh, this is episodes 11 and 12. So the Blind Bandit was like episode four or five, somewhere in there. So they've only been together for, you know, a quarter of a season. So they don't really know each other that well, really. She's probably like, what I get myself into at this point? <laughs> Bunch of ableists. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Brings up a good sort of visible versus invisible disability narrative, too. Like, for Toph, because it's not something that affects her most of the time or that people, like, notice, they're even less likely to be paying attention mm -hmm. when it is something that affects her, even though they she has to keep reminding them over and over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that happens even later in this episode when they do finally get to the magnetic center of the desert, that big rock with the buzzard wasps, right? Where, you know, Sokka ingests the second of two <laughs> questionable substances in this episode on a whim, which we can talk about. I have a feeling we're going to talk about cactus juice quite a bit for this episode. <laughs> so we'll get to the buzzard wasp mucus or whatever it is. But yeah, when uh, when Toph bends that big rock and it almost crushes Sokka, you know, Toph even says, I can't see these things when they're in the air. Like, what do you expect me to do? I, I can't I can't see. So, yeah, it's it's always that that battle. And I think since we've talked about it a little bit more critically here, it's something that I'm noticing just a little bit more of. I think because we did talk about it, I do appreciate how I mean, other than that one slip up with the eye hole uh, when he, she's training Aang. There's some pretty good consistent animation with her being blind, like mm -hmm. Katara holding her hand or her facing the wrong direction um, while they're in the sand. Like there's uh, some care that's gone into that. And it's never something that feels like deprecating. No. You know right. what I'm saying? It's not something that they're doing intentionally as an animation team to degrade her character. It's just kind of these almost fluky things, these real life things yeah. that seem very, you know, uh, they seem part of it. Like they seem within the context of Toph's character, unlike some other situations where sometimes those things can become caricaturized or overgrandized and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Even little details, like a lot of the times she'll be looking down or away from someone while she's talking to them. She'll mm -hmm. still point at them, but 
she's not directing her gaze because she, why would she need to do that? She, yeah. Yeah. Well, we jumped into Toph's uh, character in this one. I think it would be, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's probably the best. Is it time? Sokka Is it time, time to talk about how stoned Sokka gets or drunk? I guess. Uh, I don't know. Do you think he gets, okay, let's, we're, we're all talking about the cactus juice section. This is where we're at. So they're running out of water. <laughs> they stumble across this plant, which is a cac- cactus, right? They grow in the desert. Duh. And Sokka, without thinking, just takes, just chops apart this cactus and starts drinking the juice from the insides. Do you think he gets, because it's, I think it's like a plant-based <laughs> derivative, right? Do you think it's like an alcohol drunk or do you think it's like... A like a psychedelic mushroom type of a buzz high trip thing that he's experiencing. I think it's like a peyote out in the desert kind of sure. yeah sure, hallucination. Sure, I wow. totally agree. I was just curious if if either of you had maybe a different take on it. Maybe a little bit of both. But how did they get away with this for a kids show? This is I mean you clearly see his eyes dilate. He shakes his head and he goes into like <laughs> his trip. Yep, it's. I mean, it's so funny for kids, but also so like if any adult was watching that, they'd be like, wait, what am I letting my kid watch? Yeah. <laughs> and we can't forget that Sokka's is not the only one that ingests this. Momo, Momo. Momo goes for the trip with him, which is always amazing. You always need a buddy. Oh, need a buddy. That's a good. I just I, I just get such a kick out of this because. Sokka is already kind of the comedic character, right? And sometimes some of the things he says are fairly outlandish, which is why they're kind of funny. But then when he gets stoned on the cactus juice, it's like everything he says, which is just as outlandish as it was before, is just now more funny because he's stoned. Like he is not sober and is just everything he says is just funny. Like right afterwards when when Katara's like, okay, you're done, dumps out the cactus juice. They're walking away. He <laughs> just straight up, who lit Toph on fire? <laughs> like, what? Are you kidding me? And Toph's and like, then, can I get some of that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <No>. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, that's so good. We've talked about balance, the balance between, you know, drama and comedy in a lot of mm-hmm. these. And I think this strikes, again, they, they always strike a good balance. And they had to go hard on the comedy in this one because it is such a devastating episode for Aang. Yeah. Um, so you have this extreme where it's like, this is the darkest we've ever seen Aang. Um, yep. And so they had to be like, what can we balance this with? And I think mm-hmm. it's a it's a tripping Sokka. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way. Well, and I think, too, so you've got you've got this second of the two part series. Right. And this is this is I can't remember if this is the first or the second time. I have it written in my notes here and I'll refer to it because I think it actually happens at the start of The Serpent's Pass. But so you've essentially got this like mini movie, right? You've got The Fury of Aang, which is the library and the desert. So if you think about it in the context of that, over these two episodes now, they've really kind of struck this incredible balance of the desert or not the desert. The library is more of this upbeat kind of uh, plot furthering, lore developing you know, just a really interesting and unique take on an episode. You have this insanely traumatic thing that happens at the end, and then you've got this spiral downward where our team is in peril, and you legitimately don't know if they're going to make it out, right? Um, 
so I think, yeah, Max, you talking about the balance when you think about it over the over the expanse of, of two full full episodes, almost 45 minutes of episode time. Yeah, there's a lot that they did with this. I think to speak to that balance too, even the um, the cactus juice is kind of sad. Like your quick thinking guy who usually solves the problems is now out of mm-hmm. the situation. And it's right. hilarious, but it's also making their situation that much worse and it raises the stakes. And mm-hmm. right. I think it's great that that bizarre, goofy, how is this in a kid's show thing Mm-hmm. does even more than just that speaking of that so i think katara really steps up with her plan to like use the stars and directions and stuff like that why did why did they stop using it once they had the boat they just relied on the random compass but katara had the directions right she would have known which way was north so i think when they're in the sand sailor they do use the compass but katara has the map open because okay. that's how she's able to tell that it's not going north anymore. Because she says, right. I think she says something like, this compass, isn't facing this compass doesn't point north. And then mm-hmm. the rock shows up on the on the horizon and she puts two and two together quickly. Like, oh, this is the magnetic center of the desert. Let's just see what's here type of a thing. So I think I, they do keep using that, I, I guess, throughout the rest of this episode. And that's something to, you know, that they did, just didn't have before. They didn't have a lot of these extra tools or these maps or things that were updated up until they got to the library. So now it's kind of cool that our whole team and the gang has expanded their arsenal here mm-hmm. and has equipped themselves with more tools to handle the seriousness of the situation that they're knowing that they're going to have to ha- have to tackle. Right. And I mean, Katara might not have realized that Sokka had those mm-hmm. if Momo hadn't outed him (laughs) it was you oh that's a funny scene too and max i saw that you wrote this down and i went back and watched it before we started but so Sokka just lays into momo and then momo hand over eyes just starts crying and i'm like oh my gosh that's so oh it's so devastating well he's playing into the trip i think like yeah well and okay and so uh in an earlier episode in season one I think it's after the storm when Aang is going to get the frozen frogs and you've got the, oh, my frogs with the blue spirit, right? There's a moment where we see Aang's perspective, not Aang's, Momo's perspective. We see Momo's perspective where uh, Sokka and Katara are talking to Momo, telling Momo to go get water. And you see kind of how Momo processes the world differently. Imagine that process now on a trip. Like, (laughs) what? What in the world is going on? The triumphant return of the Momo voice. Gotta rob the bank. I gotta take the money where? There'll be a car waiting for me. (laughs) Oh, man. Momo's little circles in the air and then straight into the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know it's going to be a bad trip when that happens. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about Momo, we've talked about Sokka, Katara, and Toph. I think we gotta go on to Aang. Ooh, I thought episode. you were gonna say Iroh and Zuko, but we'll get to them in just a second. <laughs> yeah. So Aang, Aang has clearly experienced s- some serious trauma, right? Mm-hmm. He's lost his, his best friend and spiritual companion sort of last connection to his absolutely not yeah. not only as the avatar like your animal guide right 
we've seen, and clearly we saw in the M. Night Shyamalan movie, that Appa can apparently just drop them off and then go fly off and be present elsewhere. Right. So I think I think Aang and, and, and Appa have this unique connection that is even stronger than I think most animal guides probably have with their avatars. I think it's at least more similar to Roku and his dragon compared to uh, Korra and Naga, her polar bear dog. I think their relationship is more independent, and we see that in the future series. I think Aang and, and Appa are much more like Roku and his dragon. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Aang has clearly experienced this super traumatic event, and and he's he's done the classic kind of overly masculine thing where he just, first off, he gets super angry, right, and acts outwardly on his anger, and then just kind of begins to shut himself off over the over the expanse of these two episodes. But yeah, his kind of trauma process is, or his ability to process his own trauma experience is pretty brutal to watch. Yeah, that that's interesting. I'd never looked at it from a gendered perspective like that, but that really clicks for me. What is like a 12-year-old boy going to do in that situation? Mm-hmm. And I think beyond that, like, Appa is the only person who he has that continuity of friendship with, too. Like, it's great that he met Boomy, but they still have 100 years to catch up on. Mm-hmm. He and Appa probably haven't had a moment apart except for a little trip here and there since he met him. Yeah. His scenes were so painful and devastating from the very start where he's berating Toph and blaming her for... Appa's disappearance and basically saying you never liked Appa, you right. you wanted this to happen. Ooh. Yeah, that's mm. Mm. and then to our our first kill, our first Aang kill. Um, I don't think anywhere else in the show do we see Aang take a life. And in this one, he I mean, he obviously takes lives because he, <laughs> yeah. he becomes a koi monster and <laughs> sinks battleships, but uh explicitly he's you know a monk and in this one, he saves Momo from the buzzer bee or whatever. And and even once Momo is safe, he still takes that next step to take it down. Um, mm-hmm. Which is just a, just a, again, I'm using the word, but it's a devastating shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I forgot that he goes into the avatar state at the end of the episode. Mm. Um. So as I'm rewatching this, I'm just thinking the whole time because he still doesn't have control over the avatar state. That doesn't come until later, like his training and that doesn't come till later. So I'm thinking the whole episode, I'm like, okay, wh- when's he going to just go into the avatar state? Does he even go in? Like, I thought this was supposed to be an emotional thing. What's more emotional than losing like your best friend and your, your, you know, your closest companion in this world? Why is he not? gone into the avatar state yet and then the moment it happens in the end i'm like oh yeah that's right it happens right here and you want to talk about heart-wrenching heartbreaking katara walking Mm -hmm. into that danger zone i think the way like when katara grabs him to try to calm him down the way that he looks at her Mm -hmm. is just like i was afraid like he could have he could have killed her he could have air blasted her you know just away he could have harmed her in some Mm -hmm. way but instead you know, she kind of reined him in, was the calm, level-headed, collected person that she's been the whole episode, 
and she's been the person that the gang has really needed her to be this episode. And then they just they just share a moment and they're just in tears together. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was a of all of the powerful endings that we've had. I think this one has been the one that's kind of mo- at least moved me the most. Mm hmm. Absolutely. You know, you've kind of got your your shock and awe, your cliffhanger ending. You're just overwhelmingly positive. But I think this one was just so, so much more emotional because the stakes are still high. They didn't get Appa at the end of this episode like, you know, they could have easily done. They could have easily given Appa back to us right here. So the stakes are still high. There's still a lot riding on, you know, the next steps for the gang. But they just let us as an audience kind of feel that that powerful emotion of losing a friend because we've been with Appa now the whole the whole series too so mm-hmm. we we love this character we have grown to appreciate all of these characters and it's it was a lot this this ending especially was pretty pretty heavy for me absolutely I like that you talk about how Aang looks at Katara in that moment because what I noticed is how Katara looks at Aang she just looks dead inside yep. like yep. that is sort of the breaking point and I think if he didn't come down from that any quicker if that had gone any differently she i don't know how much more she had in her yeah this was a pretty big katara gives energy episode (laughs) yeah yeah you that's a great that's a great analysis there because she does in a moment where you can't give any more she decides to continue to give more and it you know made the difference because Aang mm-hmm. could have then easily killed all the sand sailors or not the sand right. sailors the the sand benders he's got a taste for blood Absolutely. Absolutely. Why stop with a buzzard wasp, right? Right. There were many directions that that scene could have gone in, but the way that they treated it was just Mm. sublime. It was incredible. There are a few moments in this show where, uh, you know, I just get chills. And that is one every time the you muzzled Appa always gives me chills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to speak back to something we talked about even in this episode, the fact that it's Toph that's able to point that out because she can hear it and doesn't or doesn't ever forget a voice is just a cool thing because, you know, uh, scientific studies have shown us that when you lose the ability to have a sense, like one of your senses, the other senses become heightened, right? Like if you close your eyes, you can hear things better. Or if you, you know, like close your eyes, you can taste things better, whatever, taste things more intensely. What a cool moment to highlight that enhancement of Toph, the fact that, yeah, of all the things that you're thinking about, the last thing you're thinking about is what this person sounds like. You're thinking about, okay, can I hit this person with my sandblast as the library is crumbling and they're taking Oppo away? Can I try to save him? Nope, I can't. Okay, then they're gone. It's over. Nope, I remember his voice. This is the guy who did it. He'll be able to lead us to Oppo. So it's just a cool, cool moment. Absolutely. A great win for Toph, who has, like, struggled to... I mean, well, she's done a lot. I don't want to... She held up an entire freaking library. Mm-hmm. But walking through the desert, she's kind of felt, like, not as useful. And then suddenly she has this really specific thing that helps the gang out. Yeah. <laughs> and she... I mean, yeah, it ties up perfectly from almost the beginning line where Aang is berating her for not helping to that that is, like, her ending line is, this is mm-hmm. the guy that did it. So it's it's a beautifully summed up. And... And that she, I mean, talk about fuel on the fire. And she's like, yeah, he's the one that said Muzzleapa. And Aang, who had, this is new knowledge to Aang. Like, Aang did not realize that Appa had been muzzled until this point. Yeah, of course, flies off the rails. Yeah, this is a pretty heavy episode. And I think yeah. we're, we're kind of in that, 
we're in that sweet spot of this season. Now that we've lost Appa for the time being, they don't shy away from from some of these darker themes. Like, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily always going to be a happy ending every time. And the fact that they're willing to explore that in a kid's show is just aw- like it's awesome. I, mm-hmm. I It's one of the things that makes this show great and it makes it so accessible, not just to kids, to, you know. Young men in their late twenties mm-hmm. as well <laughs> making podcasts. <laughs> oh boy, call us up. So I, I don't know. It's it's yeah. It's much you know much like Zuko alone was just such a good episode for for us and a good episode to talk about. It's a hard episode to talk about because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of you know that up. There's not a lot of up. It's a lot of that down or at least that introspective reflection. That that's hard. Hard to talk about, hard to do. You kind of mentioned this being sort of a change episode now that Appa is gone. Um, I think the the subtraction of Appa gives us a few things with the show. Up until this point, Appa sort of been used as an excuse where you can start an episode anywhere, right? Because yep. Appa could take you there. And now we see this continu- continuity where it's like the next episode literally starts off on the next foot because they are walking. Yeah. They are. Mm-hmm. Yep. They that is what they are doing. So you get a few episodes and even until basically you find um, Appa again, where it's it's right after another relentlessly. I think it also, you know, we've talked about this, but it gives us a insight into Aang's darker side, which is really needed. So mm-hmm. dang y'all, we haven't even talked about the B plot yet in this one. <laughs> there was a B I know plot. I'm I'm torn. <laughs> I'm torn. Do we do we talk about the Zuko Iro B plot? Or do we do we go on? Because we're already at thirty minutes, right? <laughs> I mean, all I have is I thought it would be great to do a Queen's Gambit edit where she sits down, but she's actually across from a from Iro at a pie show table. Oh, that's all I got. <laughs> that's hey. Well, okay. We I mean we have to talk about that because it is such a it's such an expansive thing that we don't even know its full expansive prowess yet. The mm-hmm. fact that. You know, in the middle of the Earth Kingdom, two Fire Nation criminal refugee type people can find this, you know, safe haven, this safe space. Um, And especially because it's Iroh, who we know uh, was a was a prominent figure in the Fire Nation army when he was a member of it as a general. But because of all that, everybody else around the world knows him, too, and doesn't like him because he was pretty relentless and ruthless. So the fact that he, Iroh can sit across from this guy, I don't know, do we ever learn the guy's name? I don't I don't think I don't we think do. So. Pie show guy. Um <laughs> the fact that he can just sit across from him, they can kind of do this little dance, which is pretty cool how they just boom arrange it um in, into the shape of the white lotus. And then this whole like fraternal order is uncovered at but just like a tiny bit. It's like if you have a winning lottery ticket and you've scratched off just like a tiny sliver of of the winning square, you know, it, it we know that there is so much more that will happen with this. But the fact that they're just dipping your toe in the water here is so cool. Yep. Again, I think I mean, I, it's going to be redundant, but it is a nice I mean, everything from <clears throat> here on out is important. Everything pays off. Everything comes back mm-hmm. um, and we get to see that next episode too where there's a nice callback and it it just nothing is uh fluff at this point yeah one other thought that i just wanted to bring up 
as a conversation topic quickly before we go on to the Serpent's Pass. So in the in the very beginning with Iroh and Zuko, when they're traveling on the ostrich horse, the rough rhinos come back, which is another cool moment. Like we see that gang again, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're fighting, battling, you know, banter, blah, blah, blah. Is this the first time that we hear somebody call Iroh the Dragon of the West? Has it happened before this? I'm trying to think if it has or not. Mm. I don't know. I forget. Zhao Zhao calls him the Dragon of the West at some point, right? Maybe. Sure. I I could buy that. I could go back and look at old notes. I'm sure I took a note I of it. So. In in the earlier episode, I would assume it's closer to the end of season one, then, right? Yeah. So again, it's just these things that you know. The fact that Iroh has this kind of really cool nickname that we don't know what it fully means yet. Um, and then you see the white Lotus developed here a little bit more. It's yeah, Max, the way that you said, not a moment is wasted. That's exactly how I feel about every single episode. And it is just, it's amazing. The storyboards for these must've been insane. Cause they're like, okay, we have these 12 things sprinkled across the universe. And now we need all of them to kind of weave and then line up right here. Right. And another thing that I noticed too about this was that Bossing Say gets talked about a lot in the desert episode, right? Everybody's trying to go to Bossing Say. So then in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so we're halfway through the season about Bossing Say is the destination. They don't have Appa, so they can't fast travel like you were saying, Max. Mm-hmm. So we're going to spend a couple episodes getting to Bossing Say theoretically. And then, you know, they're hoping to find Appa in Bossing Say. We don't necessarily know how big this city is. All we know is that General Iroh couldn't conquer it. And now all of our characters are trying to get there, right? And that's part of what the Serpent's Pass is, is our characters meet up with these refugees in a very similar to the Cave of Two Lovers introduction sequence. Mm-hmm. And then they try to get to Ba Sing Se, which, you know, is a, is a really cool journey all on its own again. I will pose the question now, since we're kind of shifting to to uh, the Serpent's Pass. Thinking about the ending of the desert and the start of the Serpent's Pass, I know that, like, the end of the desert is kind of the end of that mini TV movie, and the beginning of the Serpent's Pass is the beginning of this other TV movie, right? Serpent's Pass is, is the start of this second dual episode set. Did you feel as if, like, the tone emotionally was, like, super jarring, super hard to just flip that switch from the end of the desert to the beginning of Serpent's Pass, or was that just something that I felt? I think it's very different, but I personally feel like you kind of need it. Like, if we were still as heavy as we were at the end of the desert, like, I would feel tired. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it makes sense. I think the jarringness is like Aang, right? It, It goes from him being at his worst to him not caring him goofing being around goofing pa- around passing. in the water essentially right right and um and i think that makes sense if i mean it, it's super jarring it's super jarring but it makes sense as like an overcorrection right i got mm-hmm. so out of control with my emotions that i went into a <laughs> a millennia old superpower mode because <laughs> i couldn't handle it so now I need to go in the complete opposite direction and go with the what the monk said. And all of a sudden, I don't care. Like, no attachments. Nothing's mm. going to bother me. Um, so, yes, I think it's purposely pretty jarring. Sure. Okay, good. I just, I, to me, it, it was a little off-putting to me. 
but I, I mean, I did watch them back to back. I didn't take any break in between as I was prepping. And to me, I was just like, oh, it was such a lovely, tender, emotional moment. And I was so moved by the ending of, of the desert that, you know, to start the way that it started was just a little, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, was a little lukewarm mm-hmm. to it, but like, obviously understanding that it needed to, to be switched up in that way. Now that you mention it though, yeah, the start, I was like, oh, am I in the wrong episode? Because <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. it, it felt, it felt like the Cave of Two Lovers episode started, right? right where they're playing in the water. With, yeah. with, with a different set of, uh, of travelers and less music, which mm-hmm. was kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was the third uh, tr- refugee in their group? Do we know? Do you know what the purpose was? That, why was there a third? I have no idea. And yeah, it was just the husband and wife couple with the, with the pregnant lady. And Zuko, Zuko saw earlier. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there, cause the third, the third person wasn't there in Zuko alone either. So Somewhere along the line, this couple, you know, maybe stumbled across this other person or maybe the one glimpse that we got of them in Zuko alone, that third person just wasn't there, but was still traveling with them. I don't know. Maybe it's like a sister. I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine right there. Sometimes a couple is looking for a third. You never know. (laughs) Person to travel with. Right. Mm. If this was Star Trek, though, I had the feeling that she'd be like a red shirt where. Yeah. You know, like you're going over this dangerous pass. If there's an extra that's not really involved, they'd be, you know, um, for the sea serpent. <laughs> yep. Okay. So to uh, completely throw off Evan's theory of the third here, I, uh, I did look it up and uh, it says um, that it is the pregnant couple and the husband's sister. So, um, and yes, it is the same couple that Zuko decided not to rob during the beginning of Zuko alone. Interesting. It oh, is yeah. his sister. So mist- case closed, mystery solved. <laughs> we can all go home now. Oh, wait, we're all already at our homes Yeah. we do this remotely because of COVID. So, ha ha ha. Well, and even if there wasn't COVID, we would do this remotely. Yeah. We're we'll, not we'll even in the same over state. <laughs> yeah, come to Minnesota. That'd be yeah. great. <laughs> Hey, you're welcome. I got plenty of room in my house. Uh, for a Tuesday night. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. Yeah, no, but we don't got to work tomorrow. Whatever. There's a lot to talk about with this episode, too. I know. Mm. It is. I feel like, again, even though these episodes aren't connected in a back-to-back sort of a way, there is just a ton jam-packed into all of these episodes, right? Mm-hmm. And if you think about this episode being the first, again, of a set of episodes, they do set so much up here. Like, we get we get Jet back along mm-hmm. with the Freedom Fighters. So Zuko and Jet kind of team up on their journey. We get the Cabbage Merchant back, right? We get Suki back here. Yeah. You know, oh, it's... it's and at, and at least like the Kyoshi warriors in concept, we don't see any of the other Kyoshi warriors. We just see Suki. Again, it's just more of this. You forgot a major one. Who did I forget? You forgot the sea serpent that was in the pilot. Oh my god! Yeah. See, I still haven't seen the pilot. I think we talked about this. <laughs> I haven't seen the pilot. What? Okay. What kind of animal is the sea serpent? Talking about the sea serpent. I think it's, it's just definitely part seahorse, right? I'm I'm gonna um, look this up. I think it's a seahorse and a snake. Ooh. I think it's just a sea serpent. Let's see. A sea serpent? Let me see. This could be dangerous. I'm I'm searching for serpent on the serpent's pass. 
wiki page, so I might have to do some clicks here. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep, a lot of just the serpent's pass. Serpent. Um, yeah, it says distracts the serpent. The serpent smashes the bridge. It's just a serpent. What? That's lame. That's like really lame. Mm. Just a bear. It does say here under connection, the serpent's head and body are based on the seahorse. Mm. You called it. Got it. Nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, we're just going to run with that. Even some of the comments, which are kind of funny on here. Let's let's say it's a seahorse snake, Evan. I like your initial gut telling of of what hybrid animal the serpent is. It'd be about the right size too, then, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you just got to add giant in front. A giant oh, seahorse. Oh, a snake. giant seahorse. Right. Snake. Yeah. Better hope uh, he isn't pregnant. How how anticlimactic <laughs> would that be if the serpent was like? An inch and a half long. <laughs> what would you rather fight? One giant sea serpent or thousand tiny little sea serpents? <laughs> Oof -ta. Okay, since we're talking about that one, I I never really watched critically that fight between the sea serpent and uh, Aang and Katara. I always just yeah. sort of kind of brushed over it to the they survive it because it's over pretty quick. Yep. But they do some super sweet bending they uh, do. in this fight. Like the coolest, I think that we've seen so far. It's the surfing, the tornado, or the the typhoon. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Yeah, it reminded me of season one where we were like, "Where did Katara learn all this stuff? Yeah, <laughs> when did this yeah. happen? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like oh, it was awesome." And they're both running on water. Like she learned it in the beginning when they were practicing. Right. We just we just missed that. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We need one more episode. <laughs> there, there's there was a cut scene in the desert where she's surfing down the dunes trying to get away like, from everybody. I could do it this was, on water. It, it was one it was one of the scrolls that Sokka stole from the library. There we Extreme go. Extreme water bending. It's Extreme like water a bending. sick Tony Hawk kickflip. <laughs> Yo. All the kids are doing it. Katara oh. Katara Water Surfer. That sounds like a great video game. Oh, that would be fun. Katara Katara Pro Water Surfer game or whatever. <laughs> get on it. EA games, whoever may, I don't know. I don't know. Well, maybe not EA. Games. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I take that back. Uh, <laughs> Super Giant Games. There we go. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah, I see you playing that Hades, dude. Come on now. Yeah. I want to introduce a new segment with you guys. Ooh, oh, bring it. boy. Okay. It's, Drum roll, please. It's At called Hour Mark. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so this is called Love It or Hate It. And I want you guys to tell me if you would love this or hate this. Mm. Um, when they get to the, the sort of seems, ferry seems, station, seems pretty straight, straightforward. Yeah. Pretty easy. <laughs> so they, they get to the ferry, they're preparing. We see all these refugees getting on boats mm -hmm. and one of the groups that we see is the two tribes from the great divide. Love it or Wait, hate did it. I... Did no, I just no, miss? No, this isn't no. real. This oh. is. <laughs> oh, what do you I was like, love I was like, did I did it? I miss this? If they came I, back for this episode, yeah, I would have loved it as just a cameo. I think that would have been amazing. Totally agree with Max's take. If they would have given them any airtime, I would have been yeah. like, no, I hate it. I can just imagine them going like, oh my god, look who it is, and like yeah. avoiding it, like could, just yeah, like that looking funny, away. Like, Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> and like Toph's like, all your heartbeats just went up. What what's going on? <laughs> right. Oh, you see one of them has like 
a history book and Aang's like, oh no. Uh, 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 no. If we find that. Or they confront one of the fake avatars. You lied to us. (laughs) Ooh, speaking of those fake avatars, Brandon, you have to try to recreate the like the the horrible avatar theme music i will uh, i will i will uh go back and add it and i'll do a back-to-back comparison and then nice. uh, we can encourage our listeners to to uh see which one engage with us one. and see which one they <laughs> like better there we go i see 50 avatars a day and by the way not a very impressive costume besides no animals allowed Tell us on Twitter. <laughs> oh, man. All of our 20 followers. Like us. Like <laughs> us on uh, Apple Podcasts. We got two reviews. You can and be the guess, third. Yeah, guess subscribe who, and guess, review, folks. Guess who the two reviews are? Max and Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me look bad. <laughs> You're like, I'm not. I'm between a three and a four star. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't that be brutal? A four star from a co-creator. <laughs> that one talks a little too I, much. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like the podcast, except one of the hosts. <laughs> and then Max and I are like, which one oh does he not like? Oh, oh God. no! Oh no! Don't worry, guys. It would be me. <laughs> I don't like myself. Four stars. Oh no! Two stars oh, no. for Brandon. Two stars for Max. Zero stars for me. <laughs> oh god. Oh, this is geez. an Apple this is an Apple podcast review. Uh, is this what happens if we record late? I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> I do like it. Um we kind of got that cactus juice going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no cactuses were harmed in the making of this podcast. Nope. Oh, Okay, to add to your segment here, love it or hate it, this is something that actually happened, okay? Love it or hate it, Iroh's new hat. Love it. Love it or hate it. Evan loves it. Max? Oh, it completes the tourist look. He's got it. I mean. I love it. Okay. Um, I it's like the Avatar new... World equivalent of a fanny pack. Dude, can I interject about fanny packs because you brought this up? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I noticed just on this watch through today that when they're getting ready to actually cross the Serpent's Pass, Aang is like emo Aang facing away, <laughs> talking about abandoning hope, which is pretty epic. Mm. He's got a sweet fanny pack on. Oh, Whoa. my God. Watch back and watch. He normally, he normally doesn't go back and watch it. Go, go back. back and watch it. Because it's it'll be worth the, it'll be worth the ten seconds you spend. Well, huh. five minutes loading Netflix, queuing up to finding the time, but the ten it'll seconds of, of on air time, it'll be worth it. I, it. I just noticed it and thought it was pretty pretty Trendsetter. Trendsetter. Speaking of costumes and stuff like that, uh, one of the fake avatars was based on Mike's uh, that one of the creators. Uh, Halloween costumes, like him and his <laughs> Halloween costume. Really? Oh, that's great. Yeah. Very interesting. I got a kick out of all those fake avatars. Oh, like, so funny. And and you think about it, and it does make a lot of sense. Like, if you're trying to travel as a refugee and you don't have a ticket, 
you know, who who should I try to imitate? Oh, let me just try to imitate an air nomad and pretend to be the avatar. Yep. It probably works if you're not talking to the cranky lady, right? Yeah, seriously. Kind of a risky gambit, though, when, you know, <laughs> the Fire yeah. Nation is looking for Oh, my God. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, it has its ups and downs. <laughs> well, that's why they're trying to get to Ba Sing Se, because you can hide right. in plain sight in Ba Sing Se, apparently. Or just finally yeah. ditch your avatar disguise. It reminds me of all those guys in uh, Elmo costumes in Times Square. Handing <laughs> mm. <laughs> out their CDs and stuff. <laughs> Oof, duh. Okay, so speaking of the crazy ticket lady, two moments that, you know, kind of make me reflect on her specifically. The fact that she is just so mean, first off, and then when Toph shows her credential, she just is glowing about Toph. Like, not even a couple minutes later, she says something like, if I just gave away tickets willy-nilly, there would be no more order. <laughs> and it's like, wait, you just you just did that with Toph and, and everybody else. What are you talking about? Privilege. <laughs> exactly. A good setup for... The rest of Bossing Say's whole ethics. Exactly. I think Evan's picking up what you're laying down. I'm with it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Gosh. And then the last one, voice crack, of course. <laughs> well, and they, I mean, to play off of that, too, I mean, that's whole Jet and Zuko's whole thing is, you know, mm -hmm. little Robin Hood style mm -hmm. deal from the wealthy. Yeah. I, I think that Toph and Aang and the rest of them would have been on the upper levels if, uh, if they hadn't given away their passports. Absolutely. True. And you just think about how, I mean, yes, a completely different episode in that way. But do you think had they almost, had they landed on that same ship as Zuko Aerojet, what do you think, like the potential for that type of an episode? Oh my gosh, right? that would have been Cause, amazing. Because then Zuko seeing them up top, they're probably not paying attention so much to what's going on in the lower deck. Jet probably is also looking up top and sees them. And, and the gang and Jet didn't necessarily leave on the best of terms, right? Nope. So then you've kind of got this different relationship set up between Zuko and Jet. And the, I mean, you know, and then Iroh's mm. probably playing the, no, Zuko, we can't risk everything here, blah, 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 sort of a sort of a mode. But what a cool potential concept, right? Or a different way to treat this journey episode where we're just covering ground, we're getting to the next destination. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to see characters that had no contact with each other, like Zuko and Jet, interacting and just being, you know, their natural selves. And they don't know each other's histories. They're just assuming it's another refugee. So it, yeah, I think right. it was really cool. I think it allows the opportunity to almost recycle characters mm -hmm. in a way. Like, mm -hmm. you don't have to fundamentally change anything about Jet because he's interacting with a different character who we know, right? And same thing with Zuko. Like when Zuko was first interacting with some of the Earth Kingdom townspeople as a refugee or a, a, a Fire Nation criminal, right? Fleeing criminal. You know, you can just recycle a lot of those elements in that interaction together. But it does work really well. Like when you think about Jet's motives, you know, steal from the rich, give to the poor type of a Robin Hood-esque figure. And the Lost Boys or Peter Pan even. Um, it's... It is, it is pretty cool how compatible they really are together. Mm -hmm. Speaking of compatible characters, <laughs> I think we're setting up some pretty fierce love triangles here in this episode as well. <laughs> now, <laughs> so Jet and Zuko, two people that Katara definitely crushes on. Oh, Just no, saying, no, no, no. Bro, bro, don't, don't fight me on this. Z Katara crushes on Zuko? Bro, 
clearly you don't spend as much time on Reddit as you claim. Zutara, to spend. Zutara is is delusional. No, I'm just kidding. Whoa, <laughs> whoa! Shots fired. Pump the brakes. You well, forget. I can just, just edit. I can, I can edit your your whole out of this episode, Max. Yeah, please. Yeah, you'll listen. Too. You'll listen to this, Max, and it'll be. I don't like, want to be a part of it. Zutara I don't want Is great. <laughs> <laughs> If if this is going to be endorsing Zutara, I don't want to be a, a part of this. Well, and then the other there we go is is the Sakasuki Toff. Oh, oh, I was going to think you're. I thought you were going to say Yue. <laughs> well, thought, yeah, because they literally have a triangle the between them. <laughs> totally, totally understand all of that. However, Yue uh, is transcendent and is now a spirit, not yeah. a physical manifestation anymore. She doesn't need opera. Well, technically, she's she's, she's, she's a fish. <laughs> Correct, but but we set up Sakasuki Toff, which yeah. is yep. I'm all I'm all about I'm all that about one, all of it. That one, yes, explicitly, yes, very clear. So I'll, I'll give you that one. I that's one of my favorite lines I think in the entire show is oh well you can just let me drown now <laughs> after Toff kisses Suki. <laughs> And hey, Toph really goes for it. Like, really is like, oh my gosh, you saved me. Well, I'm like, whoa, and whoa, it comes, that was nuts. It comes almost immediately after Toph saves Sokka to no reaction. Yep, to no right. reaction, and then she thinks Sokka saves him, and she's like, oh. Well, and uh. I thought about that moment too, and I'm like, why does Toph even? think Sokka is swimming out to save her but then he, ex- he expresses it Sokka yeah. yells it yeah he goes mm-hmm. I'm coming Toph and then Suki's just you know ready to go doesn't have to right. take off her shoes yeah right? <laughs> Sokka starts what? taking off his shoes <laughs> like just a second oh. oh okay and I want to talk about Sokka a little bit here too because sleeveless guy <laughs> <laughs> oh man Maybe maybe it's just because Sokka's only been interacting with Katara and Toph, but I, up to this point, had felt like his misogyny had uh, been become tame. But then it just kind of does a whole 180 reversal when Suki joins them on the Serpent's Pass. Suki, don't sleep that close to the end. Suki, there could be a bug in your pillow or whatever he says. And then, right at the very end, you talk too much. What? Yeah, was that what? a callback to something else? Was there? Was that? I have no idea. I don't know. I felt like was I? I I literally had that same thought of like, was was he quoting her at some point, and I just missed it, or I don't know. Felt I to me no like idea. he had just read the pickup artist or something. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Puts on fedora. Exactly. I just thought, okay, what a terrible, terrible pickup line. If I were mm-hmm. Suki, I would have smacked him. Right. I would have smacked him. I mean, I, they explain it pretty well, I guess, with the, not the stop talking and kiss me, but um, the rest of it, his concern for her with like the, the only other person he sort of had a crush on literally turned into the moon. Mm-hmm. So nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. So I guess <laughs> I get his overprotectiveness. Um, I love how it's flipped on his head where it's like, no, actually, she was here to protect you. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's funny. That's a funny moment. Which is, which is, I mean, Suki's whole character, uh, not her whole character, but that is the majority of her character's work is trying to flip 
Sokka's kind of idea of masculinity on its head. Or even femininity. Like, yeah, yeah. Kazuki is a very feminine character. She's just a badass. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and arguably a, a much better warrior than a lot of male warrior characters in the series. Mm. I'm all about Suki. I, I love, <laughs> she's one of my favorite characters. Love Suki. She's the best. There's a moment where they're going to sacrifice Momo to the serpent. <laughs> And Momo looks sad about it, but he doesn't <laughs> not. Yeah, he's like, this makes sense. Sokka and Momo antics are through the roof with these two Always episodes. Good. That's what you get for reaching inside someone's mouth all the time. <laughs> um, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm not saying anything. Yeah, there were a lot of great moments in this episode. I think I'm sure we missed a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Should we do a speed run of... Of the things that we didn't even get to mention. Ooh, okay. Who yeah. wants to start? Evan, what are some things that you didn't get to mention as we wrap up? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I think all I've got is it looks really cool when they're traveling underwater, bending it over them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we touched on it a little bit, but the moon is watching them. I think I got everything else. The moon is watching you. Oofta. <laughs> 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 That was a terrible moon voice. I don't know what I'm I doing. I like it. Max. <laughs> that's, what, that's what UA sounds like now. <laughs> I'm watching you. <laughs> Jeez. You let me die. All right. Um, I had, who stole the pregnant lady's stuff? That was one of my questions. Because mm. that's pretty, I mean, it could have been Zuko, but we know that he doesn't steal from pregnant people. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. I said, yeah. I, I made mention of, no, I think everything else. Toph is always the you know most valuable player. She literally saves people's lives left and right. The sh- takes Sokka taking off his shoes before jumping <laughs> in the water. That is so funny. Those are some nice shoes. You know, Toph's cool, but these shoes. These shoes, I can't, um, I can't sacrifice my shoes. You see, you see my kicks? Not these kicks. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, and then Aang and Katara literally running on water to make the typhoon like mm-hmm. they've abandoned the ice thing and are just just running on it i've never noticed that and super cool uh that was it and speed run for you brandon okay i talked about that i talked about that Ooh. so when jet steals the birds on the ship are they raw or are they cooked i don't know Ooh. they looked raw to me <laughs> anyway um, ooh, Iroh's line where he says, I believe people can change their lives if they want to. I believe in second chances. I don't think a, a single line has better encapsulated his and Zuko's relationship like that mm, line right mm-hmm. there. Um, and also the fact that he says it in the company of Jet as well is mm-hmm. also like super powerful and important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a very bold thing for a war criminal to say as he's totally. coming back into, <laughs> into the the... the the home of his greatest military yeah. defeat, right? Um, talking about the Katara bubble water thing, water bubble thing. Eventually, the serpent comes and and the the bubble collapses, and then Toph ascends them all with with earth bending. I wonder if Toph couldn't have just done that right away, like yeah. or the ice the thing. Whole, the whole yeah, the whole thing. Like I don't know why the ice thing needed to happen. Um, I think she could have very easily bent more earth. Um, to to kind of uh, do that. I agreed about the typhoon scene. One more time, that pickup line is horrible. 
if I told my wife you talk too much, she would smack me. So, um, Sokka, don't don't use that anymore. And then just when we think it's all well and good, the baby's born. It's named Hope. Everybody's happy again. Aang stumbles upon the drill. Oof, bum, what a good... Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Which is the true secret of the Fire Nation. So Yes. Yeah, that, that was it. I, I was able to... I talk too much. You guys can tell me that I talk too much. Sokka can't tell Suki that. You can tell me that. I can't I can't I can't smack either of you. If we try to kiss you after we say that to you. You know what? I'm not saying anything. I'm not I'm really not. Oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. Well that was a good that was a good uh I think it's it's time to quit. Oh, oh absolutely. It is. Um yeah, I think, I think you it's ended good. it on the drill. And that's where we're gonna end it on it the up. drill. I ended it on I talk too much, <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we'll pick it up next time, kids. And that's gonna do it for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed our discussions so far, as we certainly have. We'll be back next week as we continue our conversations about the second season of Avatar: The Last Airbender. We're now live on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for at previous.pod on Facebook and at previous underscore pod on Twitter. Give us a like or a follow and interact with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the series as we keep the dialogue going. A big thanks to my co-hosts Evan and Max for being a part of the podcast. We'll see you soon. Yip, yip.